0: Welcome to Lessons for Life, where we seek to learn, love, and live the Word of God. Now, here is James Long, Jr. Conflict it is a strong disagreement that people will have. It's a clash of interest. And, and what we will find is conflict seems to be in our lives almost every day. There's probably not an hour that goes by where there is not a potential conflict that is there in your life. Conflict often comes from the fact that you desire something and somebody else desires something different. Conflict can happen while you're driving on the road. Conflict can happen as you're walking in a store. Conflict can happen at work or at home. Conflicts, often happen throughout our lives. And, and maybe you're one that finds himself so overwhelmed with conflict. You feel great levels of anger inside, or maybe you're feeling anger coming towards you. Maybe you're feeling intimidated, or maybe you find yourself running away from conflict, or you just don't know how to ever have peace in your life. Well, I want you to know that there are some principles that God has given us in his word. And these principles teach us how to master conflict and how to respond to conflict in a biblical way. I'm looking forward to teaching you those principles in this study. Hello, everyone. My name is James Long Jr., and I am looking forward to having this opportunity to talk to you today. I'm a pastor, board certified professional counselor, a university professor, and I love tackling some of life's biggest questions, and I'm passionate about helping people to find God's solutions to life's problems. So I want you to think about that as we look at this same topic today. I want to help people experience the joy of forgiveness and freedom found in the person and work of Jesus Christ alone. I help people where where pain from their past or their presence is influencing their perspective on life. And what do I do? I teach them about a person, that's Christ, principles and promises, that's the word, and then I give them a pathway for change so that they may have peace, hope, and joy in their lives. So I want to think about that as we look at this topic area of conflict. So as I said, conflict is a, is a disagreement or a clash of interest, and these problems uh, oftentimes cannot be avoided in your life. You will find yourself in conflict even when you don't want it. And one of the ways to master conflict well is to recognize where is it coming from and what can we do in a biblical way to deal with it. And what we find is oftentimes in a relationship, people will try to get on top of one another, one up or one down. I win, you lose, you know, that kind of mindset. And in that kind of mindset, they don't really care much about how their anger may hurt other people. They may not care much about how they are treating other people. They just want to win. And they entrench in their perspective and their desires. And and there's no sense of really yielding to the other person. But there are other people, on the other hand, that tend to be more passive and compliant. And when they want to try to end a conflict, they want to end a conflict as quickly as possible. So they'll just give into the argument and it doesn't even matter. And what I'll tell you is that either way, it doesn't lead to real peace in your relationship. It doesn't lead to real healing in your relationship. And, and perhaps you're struggling with conflict, and maybe you've done some studies on anger or communication, or maybe you've gone through forgiveness studies. We'll talk a whole lot about those in the upcoming weeks. And what I want to do is I want to teach you a principle about how to master conflict. I want you to think of this passage in Philippians chapter 2, and it says this in verses 3 and 4, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And I want you to think about that passage. What, what it's saying is this, it's it's not wrong for you to want to do things on your own interest, and want to try to make sure that you are having your interest and desires met as well. But what it's saying is that you should also be looking out for the interest of others. Our lives should not be dominated by self or ambition or conceit, but it really should be based on humility. And if you go on a little bit further in that passage, verse 5 will immediately pick up about the role and the model of Jesus Christ, how he humbled himself and took on a human body and he humbled himself and put himself under the law and he humbled himself by going to the cross and that it was in that humility that his father exalted him by raising him from the dead, rising him to that to a place where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And scripture tells us he who humbles themselves will be exalted, but he who Exalt themselves, will be humbled. So in a relationship, in order to deal with conflict, one of the first principles is to make sure that we are not selfish, not conceited, but we are humble, that we know our interest, but also are looking and eager to serve other people so that they could see their interest occur as well. In this passage in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, it says, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. And so what Jesus is saying in the Sermon on the Mount is this. I want you to treat people, in essence, the way you would want to be treated. Well, how many times do you treat people the way you would want to be treated? Oftentimes in counseling, I'll say... How would you feel if you were in your wife's shoes or how would you feel if you were in your husband's shoes? What I'm trying to do is to help people to see a sense of empathy to share in someone else's experience or their emotions. I want to help them communicate well so that they can share information well. And I want them to understand what other people are feeling and so that they would come to a place where they understand that they may need to seek forgiveness and seek reconciliation with a person. Okay, so now I wanted to talk to you about this this concept of conflict, and I want to teach you this great principle. It was given to us by Ken Sandy and from Peacemaker Ministries, and I love this principle. It's, Ken Sandy loves these acrostics. I, I, I like that as well, and he uses these acrostics to kind of help us to teach principles of how we can deal with conflict. And he has this principle, it's called the pause principle. And what happens is that when these problems happen in your life, conflict and other things, and they can be avoided by applying biblical truths like those found in Matthew 5, 9, just a little bit earlier, it says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Or in Matthew 18, verses 15 through 17, it says this. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault just between you and him alone. If he listens, you have gained your brother. Love that. So if you go to them and they listen, you've gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two to three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile or a tax collector. And what it does is it gives us the principles of how we deal with conflict. You go to them one-on-one. And oftentimes, if you just go one-on-one with them, and if you have a heart of grace and gratitude and and love and truth, and you speak truth with them in love— Hopefully that would open the door for reconciliation where you can gain your brother. Sometimes you need to bring one or two other people along. And that's where I serve as a role as a counselor or mentor at times where I've been called into relationships to help people. That is so important to bring about a level of mutual peace. Romans chapter 14, verse 19 says this, so then let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding that it's something that we should be pursuing in our lives. I love this passage in Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. It says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual, okay, watch that, should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watching yourself, lest you be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ that we we show that we love Christ if we show love to others and we help people who are caught in transgressions and caught in some type of sin. We do this in a way to restore them. We restore them gently. We make sure that we're humble, making sure that we keep watching ourselves. And what we are called to do is to bear one another's burdens. How about one more passage in first Peter chapter three, verse nine, it says this, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless for to this, you are called that you may obtain a blessing. Okay. So let's get to the pause principle. Now, this pause principle, once again, was given to us by Ken Sandy, and maybe you're familiar with him. He has written some really great books. He wrote a book, The Peacemaker, decades ago. He also wrote a study called Resolving Everyday Conflict. We've used that in our church many times. He is now the... um, director and founder of Relational Wisdom 360 Ministry. I'm one of their certified counselors. I'll talk to you more about that at the end of this um, study. And what I want to do is this. If, you know, if you're familiar with Ken Sandy, and I love this because I do this often as well, he uses these acrostics. And acrostics are ways to help us learn principles. And so as we look at conflict, that's our topic, I want you to use this PAUSE principle, P-A-U-S-E. And this PAUSE principle will help us to deal with conflicts in a better way. See, these problems can be avoided by negotiating in a cooperative manner. Since this approach seeks solutions that are beneficial to everyone involved. Uh, See, this style of negotiation tends to preserve and even improve relationships. And rather than the win-lose or one-up-one-down mindset, we look to win-win in this relationship. See, cooperative negotiation can be described as a combination of love and wisdom. This loving and wise process generally involves five basic steps, and that's what we call the pause principle. When you need to negotiate, pause. And we'll see this. Pause stands for prepare, affirm relationship, understand interest, search for creative solutions, evaluate options objectively and reasonably. Okay, let's start with prepare. Preparation is one of the most important elements of successful negotiation, and the following activities are really good for preparing for negotiation. First, pray. How many times do you jump into a conflict and do not pray? I oftentimes will bite my tongue or I'll put my hand over my mouth and just go vertically in my mind and, and seek God's help in this. Lord, help me to see, help me to hear. So pray. The second is to get the facts. Get the facts that are needed in this relationship. I oftentimes we already jump into the conflict and we already know what we believe. And what we need to do is to get the facts. Listen. Identify Issues and interest try to discern the real cause of the disagreement. I want you to not look just at the surface. I want you to look at what's happening underneath the surface. I want you to listen for their heart. The Bible talks about the heart is the internal mechanism, the internal person. And so what I want you to do is to think about what is it that they're really saying? What is it that they desire? What is it that they fear? What is it that they love? What are their deepest desires? And and I want you to do that for yourself as well. Pray, get the facts, identify interests and issues, study the word. You know, before you go into that conflict, I really want you to get into God's word and to look up some of the passages, perhaps some of the passages that I gave you earlier. I want you to develop options. I want you to be prepared to explain how each option will benefit you or the person that you're in conflict with. Anticipate reactions. Develop a response to each of those reactions. Plan an alternative to the negotiated agreement. Seek an appropriate time and place to talk. Plan your opening remarks. Plan how to set positive tone at the outset of the meeting. Seek counsel. All of these are really quick bullet points, but... Can you imagine if you actually applied some of those principles in preparing for conflict? Part of the reason why conflicts oftentimes go um, haywire is because people jump right in and they act emotionally. And what we find is that the more emotional a person is, the less they think rationally and objectively, the less they tend to think reasonably. And so what we want to do is try to get our emotions under control and we want to prepare. I'll give you an example. I, as a young person and uh, in junior high, high school, and even t- in college, I struggled with confronting people and I struggle with communicating. I struggle with communicating positive things. I struggle with communicating negative things. And, and so what I found myself was I get tongue tied and I would get overwhelmed. So you know what I did starting in high school? Is that I would start to think about what I wanted to say to the other person, and I would actually write it out. Yeah, I know it, it sounds kind of crazy, but I I used to write out exactly what I would want to say to them, and then what I did was I put myself in their shoes and I started to think about what. They would want to say or how they may respond to each one of my points. And in doing that, I was going into those meetings prepared, whether it was a really positive conversation that I wanted to share with this person or a more negative or difficult conversation. I would go in preparing and it's so, it so helped me with my conflicts and I think it's helping me even today. So I want you to prepare. The second thing I want you to do is not only prepare, but I want you to affirm the relationship. See, a conflict generally involves two basic ingredients, people and problems. And we usually ignore the feelings and concerns of other people and focus all our attention on the problems that separate us. And so what I want you to do is to affirm the relationship or hear some ways to demonstrate concern and respect during this process of the pause principle. I want you to communicate in a courteous manner. This is so important. I want you to watch the words that you share. So now you've been doing that in the preparation stage, but now I want you to even think about the tone in which you do it. I want you to think about the non-verbals that you display. I really want you to be very careful about how you communicate Communicate in a courteous manner. I want you to spend time on personal issues. Deal with the personal offenses and frustrations as soon as possible. Because personal issues have this way of morphing and and they, they tend to metastasize and they tend to grow. And what we want to try to deal with is deal with those personal issues quickly. Submit yourself to authority. I want you to put yourself under authority. And whether that's pastoral authority, counseling authority, maybe it's your your parent, maybe it's a boss, I want you to put yourself under authority. Earnestly seek to understand. Make it your aim. You know, in conflict, we oftentimes want to be understood. We need to be, on the other hand, earnestly seeking to understand what the other person is saying. Look out for the interest of others. When you look out for them and then you also communicate those interests to them, they actually feel that you care about them. It's really helpful. Address sin in a gracious manner. You know, as we see the Lord Jesus Christ, he was called a man full of grace and full of truth. And when we address sin, we have to speak truth. But when we address it, we should be speaking it in a loving and gracious way. Another way to affirm the relationship is to allow face saving in this way. What we don't want to do is to back a person into a corner. Don't back them into a corner so that they are shamed, allow them some wiggle room to get out. That doesn't mean that we minimize sin. It doesn't mean that we don't deal with truth, but what it does is that we affirm them by not trying to shame them or demean them or devalue them, allow them the opportunity to save face. And Give praise and thanks. Thank you so much for meeting with me. I can't tell you how much this means to me. Those type of ways of praise and thanks are so important. If you sincerely and consistently affirm your concerns and respect for the other person, you will generally have more freedom to discuss material issues. Honestly and frankly. So now we the personal issues are are relational, but then there's material issues. Maybe, maybe you owe me something or you didn't fulfill this particular obligation. When we show great interest with other people, what we'll find is that this person may be more open to have those conversations. Okay, so we prepare in advance, affirm the relationship you is to understand interests. In order to identify interest, it's important to understand how they differ from issues and positions. An issue is an identifiable and concrete question that must be addressed in order to reach some type of agreement. A position is a desired outcome or definable perspective on the issue. An interest is what motivates us. It's a concern, a desire, a need, a limitation, or something of a personal value. Interests provide the basis for the position. Positions are usually incompatible. One person's desired result often conflicts with another person's desired result. Therefore, we should focus on interest, since when people focus on interests rather than positions, it's usually easier for us to develop acceptable solutions. The more you fully understand and look for the other person's interest, the more persuasive and effective you can be in negotiating an agreement. Before you attempt to understand the interest of other people, it is wise to make a list of your own interest. You should include everything that is of value to you and that might be motivating to you in this particular situation and list them in the priority order. And so during this time of pause and negotiation, it is helpful to get each side's interest in the open. And then it sets a positive tone for drawing attention to similar interest in areas of agreement. Once you and the other party understand each other's interests, you can redefine and set priorities for issues that will need to be resolved in order to reach agreement. Place the easiest issues at the beginning of the list. You should see some positive results more quickly by focusing on these first. This tends to encourage cooperation and build momentum as you move on to the more difficult issues. S. Search for creative solutions. Now, the fourth step in this pause principle is to search for solutions that will satisfy as many of the interests as possible. Everyone should be encouraged to mention any idea that comes to mind. Avoid the assumption that there's only one answer to your problem. The best solution may involve a combination of several options. And by focusing on shared interest and developing the options that provide mutual gain, you can create incentives for agreement on the more difficult points of contention. And as you identify possible solutions that seem wise to you, you should explain how these solutions would benefit the other person as well. Search for creative solutions. So we have the pause principle, prepare in advance, affirm the relationship, understand the interests, search for creative solutions, and now the last one, E evaluate. This is so important. Evaluate options objectively and reasonably so you can reach the best possible agreement. Instead of relying on your own personal option, insist on the objective criteria to evaluate the options before you. You should always make every effort to negotiate in a reasonable manner. Listen carefully to the other person's concerns and their suggestions. Show respect to them and value them and value their interests. Continue to put yourself in the other person's shoes and try to see things from their perspective. Whenever you see this other person trying to put pressure on you, move the discussion in a more objective way back to the objective principles and throughout your discussion treat the other person as you would want to be treated your agreement should cover at least some of these issues that I will close with and oftentimes it's helpful to put these things in writing to prevent misunderstandings and subsequent disputes on details what issues were resolved what actions will be taken who is responsible for each action Dates by which each action should be completed, when and how the results of the agreement will be reviewed. So let's go back to the beginning. So many people are in conflict today, and conflict happens in many different ways. And we talked about anger, we talked about disagreement, we talked about this one up, one down perspective I win, you lose. And we talked about that sometimes people get to a point where they just don't care very much about how their anger and demands hurt other people. And other people care probably way too much and they don't ever think about putting um, their beliefs and their values out there. And I pray that this pause principle will help you as you go through your times of struggle. And I told you earlier that there's some really helpful tools. If you go to our website, jameslongjr.org, jameslongjr.org, we have some really great resources at that site. I am so excited about what we've been able to come up with for you. There are podcasts, there are courses, there's a library of information. We have um, counseling through the word. We have blogs, we have book reviews, we have free checklists. And we offer a number of different services, uh, some counseling services. And then also, as I mentioned before, I am a certified instructor for Ken Sandy's Relational Wisdom 360. And Relational Wisdom is this wonderful opportunity to teach people principles from God's Word about how they can have better relationships. And you ever wonder why some people have closer families than others or or thrive in school or the workplace or excel in conflict resolution? You know, these people all share something in common, strong relational wisdom. And relational wisdom is just the ability to have strong relationships and reduce conflict and harness their emotions and equipping them to help others in godly ways. And I love the opportunity to do a relational wisdom and to teach it. I teach it personally, I teach it in groups, and I'd love the opportunity to be able to teach you as well. So that's also there at the site. If you want to learn more about how to turn conflicts into opportunities, we can teach you as well. So please jump over to our website, If this has been helpful to you, I would really love it if you would subscribe to our channel and then hit the bell notification so that you can be aware of new uh, videos that come out. We also have podcasts. I would love it if you can go to your podcast provider and find us Lessons for Life with James Long Jr. and subscribe to those as well. I'm looking forward to seeing what God is going to do in and through your life. Blessings, everyone. Take care. This has been Lessons for Life with James Long Jr. We hope you've been blessed. For more information, go to jameslongjr.org.